Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to back to everything in the kitchen sink podcast. My name is Christian, and I'm Evan. All righty, so we have oh, okay. uh, a, a re- revamped version of our podcast. As you can tell, we're getting off to a wonderful start. So to all of our wonderful listeners who who have listened to us thoroughly for the first five episodes, um, Evan and I have decided to um, kind of revamp our podcast. And we wanted to tackle topics that either people didn't want to talk about, either we haven't talked about, or just see if we can just interview people that we know, that we don't know, that are just good all-around people who can give us knowledge, who can give us tips and stuff that you know we might want to know more about. And so we have the great honor of having our first interview guest. Um, this Whoa, is somebody wait. that... The first one? The first, I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want to make you nervous, but you are the first person <laughs> we've interviewed on this podcast. Just like that. And so um, Evan and I are very excited to have Mr. James Songster. Um, I know James and I go way back. Um, and he knows Evan as well. Uh, but just to kind of give um, all of our people listening a quick um, intro to James and, and, and who he is. Um, so I pulled this directly from his website. Yes, James has a website. Um, and for nearly three decades, um, James has trained Walt Disney World cast members and is a recipient of the prestigious Disney Legacy Award, which is one of the highest recognition honors presented at the Walt Disney World Company, which we will get into in a little bit. Um, so we're, we're excited to have James here. Uh, we're excited to have him kind of instill some knowledge of his, his time at Disney when he's worked there. How do, we, how do you do a better leader? How do you do your leadership skills? And also, we're going to talk about, and Evan, he's going to share more on probably how it's like to enter the real world because he's working a big boy job for the first time. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you navigate? Congratulations. Thank you. Right, thank exactly. You. He's, I told him, I was like, trust me, it goes all downhill from here. <laughs> uh, it's not true. It's not true. Yeah. I can attest to that. Uh, but how do you navigate big life changes? So I'm turning over to James. So James, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? So obviously, I just read that bio, but like what makes James James? Okay, so what makes James James? Um, honestly, uh, what drives me, what inspires me is I'm, I like working with other people. Um, in, let's, let's go, you know, from the beginning, as I say, the old cliche, I was born yeah, at yeah. a very young age. Um, but uh, <laughs> from, from the beginning, I knew what I wanted to do was something where I got to play or work with other people. Um, that inevitably led me to theater, Probably because um, I'm, I've got terrible eyes and I never had any depth perception. So if, if you can appreciate, I was over six feet tall by the time I got to high school um, and I couldn't hit a basket. So I couldn't play football because I was skinny as a rail. I couldn't hit a basketball. Uh, so the only other alternative was to, to join the theater program. Um, I did manage to go to one high school game um, the entire time I was in Texas, no less. Um, and that was because you any I was high school the, games and you lived in Texas. I, I went to one. I went to one football game because they needed somebody to introduce the homecoming court. So <laughs> that was that was that was my one and only uh, experience with high school football. But uh, coming out of out of high school in, in Texas, um, I, I was also trying to make those big grown up choices. What do I think I want to be? And quite honestly, I didn't know what I wanted to be coming out of high school. So. I made the other alternate choice of joining the military. Um, I, I joined the, uh, the Navy, uh, went into the Navy. I uh, spent uh, four years in the Navy, um, actually serving um, in both uh, an active and inactive service. 
Um, and the next big life choice that happened for me while I was in the Navy is that I met a pretty girl who was also in the Navy. A uh, couple of things to need to know about Teresa, my wife. Um, she uh, She's pretty. Uh, she outranked me. And uh, uh, she talked to me twice. So I proposed. Um, unlike... Is she, is she still pretty and it still outranks you? Uh, the rules of the house are, um, <laughs> Teresa outranks me. I have to do what my commanding officer says. And if we get confused about this, go back and start over again because I got it wrong. <laughs> yes. uh, uh, yeah, my, my, my beautiful wife is still uh, my ranking officer. I still have to do what she tells me. Um, and we had to make the next big life choice. Um, since that seems to be the theme of the program we're talking about here. Uh, the next big right. life choice was we're both active duty military because we were both active duty. Um, and that choice was easier to make on my part. Um, if she was going to re-enlist, we were going to go to Scotland. If I was going to re-enlist, she was going to stay in the States and I was going to go to sea. So obviously, I left active duty military and we went to Scotland. <laughs> by, the, by the time we got back from Scotland, I'd figured out a little bit more about what I wanted to be when I grow up. Um, I wanted to be a performer. I, I loved uh, still the interaction that I'd had in the theater. And while we were in Scotland, I didn't have a theater program to engage in. So I became a magician. And I was performing magic shows in uh, hotels and bed and breakfast areas and also for the, the recreation program at the Navy base. And so I knew, well, okay, now I guess I'm grown up and I want to be a magician. So way back in 1992, uh, my wife and I were trying to make the big life choice and got out an atlas and looked across the, the, the Rand McNally Atlas of the United States. And I was like, hon, I'm a magician. I can go to Las Vegas. I can go to Atlantic City. I could go to Disney World. Um, and in 1992, we decided that was the choice. I came to Walt Disney World, um, walked into uh, Walt Disney World and said, I'm a magician. And they said, and cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were like, oh, sorry, we're not hiring those today. Um, and it took it took some time. It took a while for me to actually join the Walt Disney World cast, which was probably a luckier break than I ever gave it credit for. Because what they were trying to do is they were trying to find what was the right place the right fit for somebody with my skill set um and it eventually became apparent that what i needed was a, an audience i have a desperate need for attention um and so my very first entry role at walt disney world because we don't have jobs at disney world you are cast in a role um and it oh, yeah. was at the what was then called the disney MGM Studios is now Disney's Hollywood Studios, um, but I was I was a tour guide at the Great Movie Ride, and so uh, I now was fortunate enough that I got to memorize a 22 minute script and deliver it repeatedly over and over and over for eight hours a day. Um, <laughs> over time, and that was that was in '92. I mean, I've been with the Disney company now coming up on 30 years, um, and over time, obviously, as you develop, as you grow, as you mature. Um, you start taking on more responsibilities. You have the opportunity to pass what you're learning on to somebody else. And that almost by accident, almost by default is what I have ended up becoming now as a mature grown up. Um, I've discovered that I really have a, a love of teaching. I love the opportunity to pass along the skills, the knowledge, the learnings that I've had to somebody else where they can apply it. Um, because, you know, what, what's the old, uh, 
you might as well learn from the mistakes of others because you can't live long enough to make them all yourself. So <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah. But what true. I love doing is I love teaching what I did, the results of what happened when I made those choices, and how you can make choices. So today, now, um, I have mushed all of that lifetime of experience together of uh, what I have learned as a magician because I never stopped being a magician. I'm still an active performing magician. I did magic shows all week this week. Um, what I've learned as a, a, a trainer and a, a teacher at Walt Disney World for 30 years, and I've put them all together, and I now have uh, my own business that I call James Songster Emerging Leader Training, where I teach both the leader skills, the teamwork development opportunities, and how to foster an environment um, of creativity. But I, I put in a, a good heavy mix of uh, a little bit of the life lessons that I've learned and a little bit of the magic sneaks in there too. So we have a really good time because people that are having fun are more engaged. They learn faster. They retain the knowledge faster. And that's really what we're trying to do. We're, we're not trying to say, here's what you have to do. We're, have, we're trying to have a conversation. Here's what I've learned. Let's see how this applies to you. How would you use this? And in the process, let's enjoy ourselves. Let's have fun. Because if we're not having fun, if we're not enjoying ourselves, then we probably have gotten a little too grown up. Because grownups have a tendency sometimes to forget that it's still an opportunity to enjoy yourselves. So that is the longest answer I think I've ever given to the question, who the heck is James? Ta-da! <laughs> well, I think I think going off that, I think that kind of shows the point of of kind of why we we want to bring you on here. And um, I'll let Evan kind of describe like his first time meeting you because I think that's always cool to um, do um, is to always talk about how you meet someone. And Evan just logged off, so I'm sure he'll log back on. Okay, <laughs> you there, Evan? Yeah, I don't know what happened. It just like kicked me out <laughs> randomly. So I know both you, this Christian, is... and Evan. Um, and I've I've met you both in different phases and different evolutions of your development and where you guys are at. So Evan, you are you are just now graduating college. Is that correct? Yes, I graduated about almost three months ago now. So you know, I'm just 22. You know, just trying to navigate, trying to get out there. And luckily, I found a job. But I know it's really hard with the COVID still going on. Um, some states are worse than others, but uh, yeah, you know, just graduated. I'm in grad school part time and working full time, so I, I have a busy plate. Yeah, so, what are the, I could go what back are the weird to... thoughts that go through your head? I remember at the age of 22, I kept thinking, when do I get all the answers? When do I grow up? <laughs> when do I start to feel like a grown up? So, how how does it how's it coming across for you at this at this phase? Yeah, I mean, it, it feels weird having, you know, that the big boy job, you know, I, I work in an office, I, I work in, and I commute an hour to my, my job in the state capitol. Um, and it still feels weird to me because I know I'm the youngest, um, probably in the entire agency. Um, I don't I haven't met anyone that was younger than me yet. Uh, so it does feel a little weird because I I know I'm still consider myself a kid, at least at heart, but I, I still do um all this stuff like i was telling christian um this past week i helped put on a job fair with a councilwoman and you know she's running for mayor and stuff and so um just putting that together with her i'm just like 
it kind of hit me all at once whenever I was like there and kind of helping it uh, set up and everything. It was like, I'm an adult. Like it, it feels weird not being that person looking for the job. And on the other side, I'm the one, you know, telling them what employers we got and all that. And it's just kind of surreal. I, I remember it, it's this moment when I was trying to get my position with Disney World. Obviously, I was I was there to be discovered. I was there to be a performer. And so I was going to all of their auditions. And, and when Disney holds an audition, you can imagine it's a big thing. There's a lot of people that all show sure. up in this sure. audition, right? And I just remember how hard it felt, how much my, my, my heart ached and my stomach was in knots because I wanted that role so bad. I wanted to be a part of what Disney was creating, the magic that they were delivering and how much it meant to me. And I, I distinctly remember a moment after I had landed my role and I was now the tour guide at the great movie ride in the, in the Hollywood park. Um, the next time I went to an entertainment audition, because I I was still looking for you know more opportunities within the company, and I went to the next entertainment audition, and it was so much less stress. Like this huge weight had been taken off my shoulders because the realization to me was if I get this role, awesome. I would love to be in this show that I'm auditioning for, but if I don't get this, oh, that's right. I have a job. I get to go right back to the great movie ride <laughs> right. and do what I'm doing. So it was this, this, this big moment of just all of the stress was released because it wasn't an all or nothing anymore. It wasn't a make it or break it. Right. And I, I think I had something similar, but more so of, you know, uh, since I'm in grad school part-time, it, it costs a bit for one class and I'm not made of money. And, you know, I, I do, I got loans for the undergrad, but I told myself I'm not going to get loans for grad school. I'm not going to. And I haven't so far. I've only paid for, you know, for my summer class. And when I finally got the job, I was like, okay, I can breathe a little bit. I don't have to worry about not being able to pay for my class this fall coming up. Um, so now it's just more so I can kind of relax, do my job and kind of just move on with it. Now, Christian, you're sort of like over the other side of the fence. Oh, man. I'll tell you, when the, the whole time Evan was talking, I was like, man, I remember like back when I was 22. Yeah. What's crazy is that <laughs> before before we started recording everything, and I was, I was telling you, James, that like the past like three months, I decided to do everything that's the most stressful thing you ever think of possible. <laughs> I got married. <laughs> I moved. I've gotten multiple jobs. Right. And what's crazy is, and I think I definitely want us to get into this in a little bit too. It's like the importance of trying to embrace this change that I feel like sometimes people don't want to do. Right. And so that, that's been my biggest thing I've been trying to do was I left Aiken after living there for 28 years. You know, I left the job that I'd been at for 10 years. And so I remember like when I was Evan's age, when I was 22, I was going into grad school and I was like, I have no idea where I'm going to end up. And then I ended up right back to where I was, which was kind of crazy to think about. But yeah, it's, it's, it's nuts to think about in the span of six years since I was 22, how much stuff has changed. And James, I'm sure you can appreciate too, like how much stuff can change in just, even just a short amount of time. Yeah. Um, at the age of 22, my wife and I, we were military. Um, we had just had our first child. Um, and I had no idea all of the other big choices that were ahead of us. Um, mm -hmm. It seemed like 
things that you expect at some point, things will just kind of like all click into place. Everything's supposed to go according to plan. Um, and as you get to 30, as you get to 40, as you get to 45, as you get into your middle now, later 50s, um, and you figure out that that's kind of the, the, the mythology that all of us are operating under. Now, I wonder if it's more of a challenge for my generation than it is even for your uh, generations, because in my generation, the story was find a great company that you want to work for and work for that company your entire life until you retire. Um, your generations are coming at that challenge in a very different way. Um, oh, yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's sort of a, I don't know if culture shift is the right term or just a, a generational shift. Um, you're not looking for a long-term commitment to a single career path anymore. You're willing to uh, change it up, move from company to company. Um, I think what's really interesting is I've watched the, the younger generations, um, both of you guys being a great example of this, is that you've really grasped the idea of transferable skills. Mm -hmm. um, in in prior generations, um, you had a skill set that was tailored to the company you worked for. And your fear was that if something happens to that company or if your position within that company you is threatened, to lean on. you don't have another skill set. Your generation is looking at it going, no, no, no. The skill set isn't the career. The skill set is what allows me to try different things to do different things and you really are really redefining the idea of transferable skills and it is both interesting and fascinating and and honestly a little i don't want to say confusing just a revelation to some yeah. of us because it's like huh look at them look what they're doing look look how you can just go like you could change your your career and your life every two years um and nobody's penalizing you for that. It's just like every jump, you make a jump and you jump into a slightly better position, but you take the knowledge and the skills and the career choices that you've made with you. It's, it's, it's interesting. Well, yeah, I would actually, uh, let's, I would love to dive into that some more. Cause I, when I told you like this can go wherever. And I think this is a, this is a really interesting topic. Cause I've been talking with, with my wife Colette about these kind of things of how the generational working is, is different, right? It's like, you had like my grandpa who, started at 18 and say the whole company till he retired. And like in my brain, I could literally never think about doing that. And I think what's interesting is right now what I'm seeing, and this is in my own current position, there's multiple generations in a workplace and in a workplace, right? And we have different goals. Like I know for me, I have been told in the past, Evan, I don't know if this is true for you and, and feel free to chime in as well, but it's <laughs> like I, I definitely don't like live to work. I work so that I can live that whole mentality. Yeah. I feel like there's the older generation that, and like her, I've, I've had grandparents and people who are much, much older, like, Oh, just suffer through work now. So you can enjoy it later. I was like, I, I don't want to do that. I want to enjoy <laughs> yeah. my life, my life now. And James, what you were saying about that. And I think this could be a really cool thing to maybe dive into is like the whole point of change. Cause I know, I know Disney is all about that, right? Like they are okay with letting things go that are the past or just in general, but how like embracing new ideas and new changes. Cause I do feel that like, my generation and Eva's generation, like there's going to be a complete shift in the workforce in, in just in general of how things are tackled. 
I think both of you have heard me talk on this subject during seminars that uh, I've done where, where you were present, um, which is I, I myself never quite understood the whole conversation that goes something like, uh, well, we don't do that. But why not? Because that's not what we do, we've done. Why not? Because we've never done it that way. Why not? Because that's not what we do. It, it's like, that's not, that's not, that's not justification. That's a history lesson. Mm -hmm. And what your generation understands um, better than some of the, us that came before you is that just because we've never done that before does not mean that we can't try it now. Um, it, you know, the, the new phrase is if nothing changes, nothing changes. And so it is two-sided and there's two parts to this conversation. One is the previous generation has to grasp the idea that just because it didn't work before doesn't mean it can't work now. Or just because we never were able to do that before doesn't mean that we can't do it now. The caveat to that uh, and where the, 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 the cross-generation uh, benefit is, is that a younger generation needs to know also, I know you guys say it doesn't work, but I'm going to try it. But hey, just out of curiosity, why exactly didn't it work before? Mm -hmm. And so being young, being fearless, being unwritten, being a blank page, if you will, is a virtue. It's a benefit, but it also gives you sort of a blind spot of, oh, well, that was the old way or that was a different group. We're young. We're different. Yes, and. The old group needs to embrace the idea of change that the younger generation is bringing in, but the younger generation might want to take an opportunity to gain knowledge from the generation that came before just because it didn't work for them or that they didn't try it before doesn't mean that they don't have insights that can be a guideline for what you want to attempt. You know, um, uh, I, I hope I'm not misquoting here. I, I believe it's um, uh, um, uh, Sir Isaac Newton who said, you know, it, if I have seen further, it's because I have stood on the shoulders of giants. I'd see, I always heard that. I didn't know that was from him. <laughs> I, I might be misquoting who that's from, but yeah, yeah. if I have seen further, it's because I've stood on the shoulders of giants. So we get this inspiration. We get these breakthroughs where somebody suddenly does something that's never been done before, but there's a lot of groundwork that really was done first that, that attempts and, and trials and, 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 and just the, the, the methods that were there. Maybe it was we didn't have the technology to support the current attempt that we want to make. Or maybe there's been a societal change that limited our scope or our vision or our ability. But we need to know what those were as we're moving forward. You know, I, I apologize if I use too many uh, 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 euphemisms or, 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 or platitudes. But um, those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it. I don't yeah. know that that's as hardcore as it used to be, but it's certainly worth remembering. So just to, as a side note, you were right. It was Isaac Newton. I just looked it up. Ah, there you go. See, technology. So, 
You took the time to benefit. Google something while we're talking. <laughs> I'm telling you, that, that's the benefit of having the computer that you're recording on to then swipe over and type in real quick. Yeah, I think that's that's super interesting. I, I think even more so, too, of, of just the style of work between Evan and myself, too, like the, even those generations. And I think I would love to maybe start getting into, like, so obviously you've worked for Disney for 30 years. And I think maybe too strong a word. Okay, you've had fun at Disney for over 30 years. How about that? Um, I think <laughs> I've had an adventure. Uh, I can't do that. There you go. And I think the 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 cool thing that I and Evan myself that we we got to do was these trips that we got to go with with our undergrad institution working there and, and hanging out with you during the Yes program is we got to see how Disney works as a company. And I think when people think of Disney, they think of you know Cinderella's Castle. They think of these rides and stuff like that, but I don't think they some people don't truly realize of how much behind the scenes development, how much behind the scenes work goes into putting on, you know, the production that is Disney. Cause like you don't, there's stuff that happens. You don't even know what happens, like even just language. And so I kind of wanted us to dive into how important language is when it comes to leadership, when it comes to just everyday life, because some people might not know that an employee, they're not employees at Disney, they're cast members. Right. right. And you don't yeah. have uniform, you have a costume. And I don't think people right. realize that. And so like, and Evan, you can chime in too, what your, your thoughts are, but like, I, I would love to talk about with the importance of how language and how you treat others can help develop the foster of change that we're talking about or just trying things and not always doing what history was, if that makes sense. Well, I, I'll go first, I guess. Um, so when it comes to language, I my thoughts, uh, my mind immediately went to the golden rule. You know, you treat others the way you want to be treated, and that I. But more so language-wise, like you know, you change your language uh, to make sure. I, I think of like inclusivity, um, stuff like that. Uh, just so you have a bigger pool of candidates, you know, it's more diverse. People think like you two definitely think differently than I do. Um, you know, James, your generation, like you mentioned, uh, they they more so stay with one or two companies throughout their entire career before they retire. Christian, yours yours began that you know uh, changing it where it was like maybe it's a few more than that, and then Multiple now times so far in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so and then now you see. You see mine and, you know, maybe a couple years older than me and, you know, it's it's fair game. Like I I can work for a company for a year. Well, guess what? I just got a job offer that's tremendously better. I'm not going to value uh, my company just because I've only been there for a year. I'm going to value that offer a little bit more. And and it probably has nothing to do with, um, you know, that I don't like this company. You probably do like that original company um but that language i just think that inclusivity diversity um and just having that bigger pool of candidates and you have different ideas it just kind of snowballs i think is what i'm trying to get towards into something bigger you know evan you bring out two really great points right there um uh, two things that we can touch on just from what you're bringing up already um one is the golden rule and the second one is um, the idea that uh, it's about how you treat other people, how the inclusivity of it. Of, okay. So you state the golden rule, which was um, treat others the way you would like them to treat you, you or you would like to be treated yourself. 
Um, I think what we're learning um, and what your generation is really accelerating is that that doesn't really do it correctly anymore, okay? Um, the whole idea of being more inclusive, of how we are modifying the words that we choose, the language, how we address and interact with others, don't treat others the way you would like to be treated. Treat others the way they would like to be treated, all right? I'm, I'm not you. The things that appeal to me, that work for me, great, that's wonderful. But if I try to, to treat Evan or if I try to, to treat Christian the exact same way I expect to be treated, then I'm treating you like a 56-year-old guy. And that's a complete disconnect, <laughs> right? I'm going to treat beer. you. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going to treat you like like a guy that's got grown kids and, you know, has got a mortgage and all that kind of stuff. You can't relate to that. You haven't had that experience. You're living a different experience. So I need to change where I'm coming from. Don't treat others the way you want to be treated. Treat others the way they would like to be treated. This whole discussion about pronouns. You know what? Everybody gets all in a tizzy about, well, What's wrong with the pronouns that we've had all this time? Well, they were fine for you. And if you're happy with those pronouns, then by all means, that's your preference. But not everybody that I'm going to be working with, not everybody that I'm going to engage with, that I'm going to do business with, is going to come from the same place. So stop treating them the way I want to be treated. Treat the people that I work with, the people that I interact with, the customers that I engage with, the way they like to be treated, the way they want to be treated. So we can say that the golden rule needs to be elevated. We need to take that up to the platinum rule, right? There's got to be something better, better than was to where it could be. Let's elevate the conversation. And that means elevating how we interact and how we deal with each other, which then brings us to the whole thing about um, the words you, you said, Evan, the words that we choose. Um, uh, Christian was talking about how we don't have employees, we have cast members. We don't have um, uniforms, we have costumes. I didn't have a job, I had a role. Well, we also didn't have customers. We have guests. And I talk about this a lot in my programs when we're talking about how we model the behavior and the conversations that we want to have. Because if you think about it this way, customer service isn't a department. Customer service is us. We are all customers. We all have customers. And, and the number of programs that I've been doing lately just on that subject by itself, because everybody's feeling overlooked. Everybody's feeling disconnected. Everybody's talking about how, well, now we have self-checkout. And now if I want to call a, a service hotline, all I'm getting is a phone tree. And when yeah. I walk into a, a place uh, or a business, you know, I walk in and I, I encounter somebody who's very busy doing this. Oh, hi, I'll be right there with you in a second. Um, I remember um, a colleague that I worked with uh, a number of years. The thing that would drive him nuts was if you were in a, a, a place that had to register and somebody working at the counter and they would be helping you and taking care of you. And then all of a sudden the phone would ring and they go, oh, I'm sorry, one second. And they would suddenly just turn and answer the phone and take care of whatever was on the phone. And the reason that 
annoyed him or drove him crazy was that you had suddenly prioritized anything that's on the phone is more important than the face-to-face engagement that we're having right now. But if we change the conversation, if we think about it, everybody is a customer. Everybody has a customer. What we want is person-to-person engagement now. We want even this, this technology that we're using right now that you guys have brought to us, this idea that, yes, we can have a conversation and we don't have to have it over the phone. This is not a, a recording that I'm listening to. This is face-to-face communication. When I was a kid, we went to Disneyland and in Tomorrowland, <laughs> they had an exhibit from uh, Bell Telephone about how someday there was going to be video phones and everybody laughed. They're like, oh, there's no way that'll, that'll I would never ever, be a thing. <laughs> I would ever show up on video when I'm having a telephone call. But look what the technology has done. Look at the opportunity that it gives us because now we can invite everybody into this conversation. But at the same time, we still have to remember the basics. Don't treat me the way I, I like to be treated. Treat me the way you, or I need to treat you the way that you want to be treated. We all have customers. We all are customers. So look what, look what we're doing here is we, we don't have to be paying attention to each other. You, Christian could be very busy playing a game on his computer. Uh, Evan, you, you could, you could be trying to uh, multitask and do something else, right? And yet we're making a concerted effort here to maintain that eye contact, to see each other, to be present in the moment. <laughs> Christian closes his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Pretends to be asleep. Well, I think it's been interesting too. I kind of go off that what you're saying, James. Uh, I think COVID has definitely revamped how we connect with others. Because I definitely will say this too. Like I definitely video call people more than I ever did. Like since I'm since I moved and my patients are on the street, like I'll FaceTime them now just because you want that interaction. Like yeah. I didn't even know what Microsoft Teams was before last year. Like I didn't even know that that was a service. I'm not entirely sure. Hold on a second. When did you first hear of Microsoft Teams? When did you first hear of, uh, Evan, you were saying OBS and all these other streaming platforms and uh, video conferencing platforms. When did those become aware or when did you become aware of them? Well, for me, it's kind of been, you know, being growing up in that information or technological age. For me, it, it didn't happen because of the pandemic. It happened just because I, you know, I grew up playing video games all the time. I, I just, for me, it's, I already knew about all these streaming websites. I'm, I maybe, I'm not really into the Twitch streaming and all that that much, but I, I knew of it. I got on it maybe every now and then. Um, I knew of Microsoft Teams before the pandemic. I knew it was a thing. I never used it, but I knew of it. I knew of Zoom. I knew of Google Meet, whatever, you know, everyone uses, but I personally knew of it already what happened as as i have observed it this is just my own observation but what happened is that the technology was there but it was a novelty for a niche group of people almost specifically gamers i mean when people are like oh my computer doesn't run fast enough or i need a way to stream this better over the internet or i need to upgrade that and i remember uh my son-in-law um going oh you want a gamer computer Say what? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That's what gamers do, right? So yeah. 
the idea that there wasn't, you know, talk again about transferable skills. There was a group of people that were in a niche all by themselves that had been playing with these ideas, but nobody was really watching. Nobody was listening. Nobody was understanding what was going on until the world changed and it thrust us all into this environment where we needed the technology and we needed it. And even, even though that technology had already begun, there is no denying that in the last 18 months, since the pandemic started in earnest back in March of 2020, um, the evolution of the technology, the evolution of its ability to uh, be usable by everybody, not just a niche market, has been rapidly accelerated. So it was a solution to a problem, but it required everybody's focus on it simultaneously to bring it to where it is. And it's going to be a completely different experience as we move forward, because as we do now evolve to the point where we can have in-person meetings again, we can have in-person instruction again. I'm getting ready to go do on-campus facilitation and seminars again, but I'm already getting requests. Oh, will we be able to also include off-site locations that they can participate in these? So we're going to be moving now into a hybrid environment and the experience, again, whether we're sitting in the same room together or if we're in different locations like we're doing right now, we want to be able to have a very similar experience. And that's really the next thing that's going to be happening. And it's not going to be old fuddy-duddies that drive it. It might be old fuddy-duddies that leverage it and that know how to pay for it. But it's going to be young, nimble, driven, different thinking minds that are going to get us there. Yeah, I definitely think that this whole technology thing is, I mean, I didn't even, I all I knew about was Skype and FaceTime before the pandemic, to be 100% honest with you. And then there's like, what well, there's like ringing and now you can do these breakout rooms and stuff like that. And like, I think this hybrid thing is going to be a really, I think, super key because you're going to have a ton of people who are going to be working remotely while other te- people in their team are back in the office. And like, you're going to have a lot more of these, these hybrid I think environments with offices, because I think there's going to be tons of businesses and stuff that are just going to be like, you know, we, we could function a year without it. Why should we pay for the capital of an office building when you can just do it remote and I can make more money because I'm not paying for rent. Uh, it's funny, you know, if you wanted to lose somebody in an older generation at any time about, oh, we have a, we have a new system, we have a, a new platform, we have a new technology that we'll all be able to do this, that'll increase our level of engagement. Oh, yeah, yeah, what is it? Well, first, all you got to do is download this app. The minute somebody <laughs> said the words, oh, or all QR you do code. Is download this app, everybody of a certain, uh, past a certain threshold went, yep, that's it, I'm out. My parents, they don't even know what a QR, I try to explain them what a QR code is, and like, <laughs> I put the thing on their phone to show them, because menus now are the QR codes. And so yeah, I sat down with him. Mom's like, where's the menu at? And the leader was like, oh, you scanned the QR code. She goes, what's a QR code? And I tried to like explain to her what it was. It's, uh, it was completely it, like way over her head. <laughs> I remember being told at one point, because QR codes 
erupted on the scene and everybody started getting cue card codes and everybody put them on their business cards that, you know, this is going to be this great thing. And then everybody kind of got like, yeah, meh, you know, our response, our response to it, <laughs> my generation's response to it was <laughs> meh. And then suddenly again, the world changed. We entered into a different world, a different environment and QR codes were an opportunity for a solution that we hadn't had before. And so now, yes, a lot more of us are suddenly going, oh, a QR code. Yeah, that solves the technology problem that I've got. And I'm able to do this so we can go contactless. We don't have to have physical assets. I can just pull it up on my own device and I don't have to figure out how do you download the app? Oh, scan the QR code. Uh, how do I scan a QR code? Open your camera on your phone and hold it over there and the phone knows what to do all by itself. Well, how does the phone know? I don't, it just does. I don't know. It just works. <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> right. Well, what's funniest too is that even with it to go off of that, like even QR codes don't even work on certain phones. Like I know people with Androids, <clears throat> Evan, um, who don't have the ability. <laughs> they sometimes. work just fine. They work just I, fine. Every Android I've ever interacted with, they can't just hover over the camera. That's just me. I don't know if that's true they or not. Is that true? Fine. I, it's all I about the moments. I had a moment two weeks ago when I was sitting there trying to figure out, I was like, somebody needed me to uh, print out a document, sign the document, get it notarized, and then uh, fax it back to them. They actually asked me to fax it back to them. I was like, oh my God, where the heck do I find a fax machine? Something like that, right? <laughs> and uh, one, of, one of the uh, people that I work with um, of a 20-something age was like, oh yeah, yeah, no, 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 just, just uh, uh, when, you're, when you're in the email that they want you to respond to, just keep the email, then tap on the screen until insert scan. And then if you hold your iPad or your iPhone over the page that you're mm -hmm. trying to, to send back, it will automatically convert it to a PDF and attach it to the email and say, dude, in the last two weeks, that was probably the most life-changing thing <laughs> that happened to me. I was like, whoa, wait, I can just hold the device over any piece of paper that I want and I, I started randomly scanning documents just and doing it. PDFs to people <laughs> because I suddenly could. Oh, here's a PDF of my photo. That's well, right. Me, it was um, whenever I actually got the um, actual job application and stuff he sent and my boss had sent it to me. I could fill it out all on my phone. I had the Adobe like fill in and sign thing. Yeah. I didn't have to print it and like actually write down everything that I needed to or check off boxes. I just got on my phone, got it, saved it, saved it as a PDF and sent it back to them. And it was that done in like 20 minutes. Yeah, I, I think that you're going to see companies potentially die because they won't adapt those kind of new, new things because you have these new generations who are coming in who are so technologically What's a two. What looking for? A two. Yeah, a client. <laughs> yeah, you know, because like I'm, I would consider myself a pretty techie dude. I like technology. I think it, it it's cool. It's fascinating. It makes life easier. But like going to your point, James, like somebody's making you fax, like you're probably gonna lose my generation on some stuff. And Evan's like, I, I've never faxed. Yeah. Like, back in my old job, I would hand it to our office administrator and say, Hey, I, how do I do this? Like, I could easily just scan this and send it because that's how normal people do it but I don't understand why I have to fax this. Like, that's literally what yeah. I told her. She's like, oh, it's okay. I'll help you. It's like, I don't, that's dumb. 
when the when the pandemic hit and everything shut down, I mean, uh, in my category specifically, okay, everything that I do, everything that I'm attuned to is in person. Um, whether I'm doing a magic show, it was in a space with an audience. If I was at Walt Disney World, it was in a theme park with people. If I was teaching, if I was facilitating, it was on a campus with students. And I thought until March of 2020, I had done a pretty good job of diversifying my revenue streams. Never in my wildest dreams did I imagine that something could come along that would shut down simultaneously every single re revenue stream that I had. Um, and yeah. it was at that moment <clears throat> when, for whatever reason, I suddenly remembered a book. And, and, and actually, you know what? Hold on a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step off camera for a second here. Grab he's this gonna, off get my bookshelf. Wait, so uh, you still have paperback books? You don't use Kindle? You're not in the 21st Would you shut? Yes, I still love my <laughs> Mind you, I'm it's, trying it's to figure a, out which bookshelf it's on. Well, even my okay. younger my, sister doesn't do Kindle. She only prefers uh, the that, paperbacks. That, that's how my, my wife, she's the same way too. She's like, I want to get into reading. And I'm like, well, why don't you just get a Kindle? And she's like, I want to turn the pages. And I was like, I thought that was dumb at first. But I thought, I was like, oh, that's actually like, okay, then do because you want to. Don't have that know where I, the books at. I don't know which bookshelf my book is on right now. I put it somewhere and I don't know where it is. So I'll tell you about it instead. Just tell me the, the title <laughs> of it. The title of the book is Who Moved the Cheese? All right. Now, this was, it's an easy read book. It's just, it's a little thin book. You'll read it in about an hour and a half, two hours. And it was honestly written over 10 years ago maybe even 15 years more um, for middle managers who suddenly had to do big life changes going on. Boy, we're looping this conversation all the way back to the beginning there for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But people who had to go through big life changes yeah. and, and career changes and they were, you know, middle managers and they didn't understand what to do. And this book kind of almost written as a parable was okay. So you've been living in this certain environment and, now everything changed. What are you going to do about it? Your choices are to uh, sit around and scream and moan and cry about it. Your choice is to uh, ignore the problem and pretend nothing changed. Or you can get up and start moving and go figure out where the next opportunity is. And that book um, really laid the groundwork for everything that I did as we entered into the pandemic. because. Okay, all my revenue streams are gone. All the ways that I know how to connect with people are not available to me now. I cannot be in person. I cannot go to any of the people that I do. And yet I've still got clients and, and people that want me to provide for them. I don't know how to do that. And so what we had to do was figure it out. I, I this is a confession, I, I don't think of myself as a technology person. Unlike you guys, I, I go to technology very slowly. Um, mm. I like it simple. If you, if you gave me a choice between having to use a, a PowerPoint presentation or a flip chart, I was going to go with the flip chart. You know, <laughs> uh, 
honestly, it was just, oh, a marker and a flip chart. I understand that. I, I used to make a joke about I need that. You know, I don't believe in technology. I think technology is something that you people invented to confuse magicians. But, <laughs> but I didn't have a choice. All of it was gone. All right. I couldn't use any of the methods that I had before. And so I picked up the book. I picked up Who Moved the Cheese? And I reread that book. And I went through it and I thought about it. Okay, fine. The world's changed. Now what? And in the last year, um, we're talking right now virtually on a platform I had never heard of. We're in three different locations. Um, I'm using technology I did not know about before. Um, we have, we've got uh, something apparently called an Ethernet. Uh, Ethernet. Yeah, my, my, my MacBook is a connected to an Ethernet. My Ethernet is connected to fiber optic. Um, and, and everything changed because it had to. To your point, Christian, what you said, which is if you don't evolve, we die. You know, and, and you got to stop thinking of it. I will evolve when I have to, to no, no, no. We can't stay here. Here yeah. feels safe, but it really is a trap. Wherever we are is not where we need to be. So there's, there's the, the expression, uh, stop uh, dressing for the job you have and start dressing for the job you want. Job you want, yeah. Right? Well, think of the opportunities. Think of the technology. Think of the tools and the resources that we have now. Stop doing business for the job you have start using the tools and the method and the business for the the business you want because if you stay where you are you will become irrelevant we have got to get used to change the only the only thing that will never change is the need for change we have got to get comfortable with it and that means as you're talking about big life choices the real secret here is we don't know what we don't know. If, 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 if Christian, uh, if I had to start a podcast, I swear the title of my podcast would be, I don't know what I don't know. Because <laughs> that really has been one of the top guiding principles that I have used in almost everything that I've done. I don't know what I don't know. Whether that means I don't know what I haven't tried I don't know what opportunities there are out there. I don't know what choice or what the result of this choice will be. Whatever that is, I had to come to terms with, I don't know what I don't know, but I can't let that be the barrier. I can't let that be the roadblock that stops me and I never change. We have to change. We have to evolve. That means learning to new technologies. If that means learning new words, new language, a way of creating inclusivity, that's what we need to do. Because if we don't, then we are on our way to the trash heap. No, I definitely agree with that. And I think what has been interesting for me is, is seeing others around me, you know, as well as businesses, just, just in general, try and adapt to this. If I keep saying this new normal, and I, I never really understood that term because I, I don't know if that's a relevant term for me at least you know like there's nothing that's ever normal for me like, everything's always changing you have a new job you have a new relationship you have a new bill that you have to take care of or, or whatever it is but I feel like if we're not 
taking the time to to learn from our mistakes. And I don't know if this is uh, something that you can talk to or just I've always struggled with, you know, you can always learn from the past, right? Like you don't want to repeat your mistakes. But when is it detrimental to look back at the past? Does that make sense? Or is it detrimental to 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 review what you've done? Because you want to you want to fix what you you've made mistakes on, right? But sometimes I feel like we might, and I've done this before for myself. You live in the past too much because you're, oh, I want to learn from it. But sometimes you just have to move forward. Now there's there's a difference between learning from the past and trying to reestablish the past. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when is it detrimental to be looking backwards? It's detrimental if all of your attention, if all of your focus is only looking behind you. Um, something that people have said a lot during the pandemic, which, uh, you know, you use the term the new normal. Um, I, I've been hearing so many people talk about, oh, you know, when we can get back, get back to business as usual, when we can, when we can get back to the way it was, when we can get back to, and they're looking at how do we go back to where we were. Um, they were talking about with with uh, young people, even younger than you, school-aged children. You know, oh, I feel bad because the kids have lost so much. And we yeah. want to do this because the kids have lost so much. I got a newsflash for you. The kids didn't lose anything because they didn't know that was the thing that it was supposed to be. We're trying to hold on to and reestablish what was instead of taking the lessons and the knowledge that we had and applying them to the next evolution, the next change, the next opportunity. So when is it detrimental to be trying to look backwards when it's stopping you from moving forwards? Yes, please learn the lessons, but don't Make the lessons the excuse for not changing. Don't make the lessons the reason why that's not where we're going because that's not where we were. No, it's not where we were. We're never going to go back to where we were. We're never going to go back to business the way it was. We're never going to go back to education the way it was. And quite frankly, we're never going to go back to the society norms the way it were, because we've learned. And what we're learning is we can do better. We can be better. We can apply the lessons and create something we didn't have. And that really is, I think, maybe the the biggest opportunity that the last 18 months has taught us. You know, everybody uses the term pivot. We're going to have to pivot. It's, it's not pivot. It's adapt. It's the, it's, it's the, the, the application of the skills, you know, having your skills and being able to use them in different ways. All the things that we've been talking about, it's, it's not a pivot. It's, it's a path. It's a direction. It's a new opportunity. And if you think it was a pivot, it's like, in your mind, that makes it sound like it's a detour. Oh, sorry, we're abandoning our path. We're giving up on where we were going. No, you're not. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You are adapting. You're learning and you're 
taking the 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 new direction that's going to get you forward. Everybody thinks that the future is straight ahead of us, that it's mm-hmm. it's it's a linear thing that we're supposed to be moving towards. And that's not that's not how anything ever has happened. It has never been a straightforward. It has always been a zigzag correction. A zigzag, yeah. It we we've never gone straight. We've always had to make adjustments and course corrections. It's like and a labyrinth. It is. Um, such and, a good one. and you know what? Some of them are dead ends. Yeah. Okay. But I now know. You just turn around and just go back. I don't. I don't have to pivot. I just have to course correct. You just got to pivot. The, James, we keep. Do you watch Friends at all? Uh, do I watch Friends? I, I believe I was watching them when they were running on television the first time as actual <laughs> first one broadcasts. Every, every time you said pivot, I pictured Ross going pivot. Pivot! <laughs> oh man, that, that oh man, yeah. I I think it's you're right about the whole pivot thing. And in, in my brain, I have this analogy of like society is is Ross yelling pivot, and everybody else is, I can't uh-huh. pivot. Is is, is Rachel <laughs> yeah. or yeah or something yeah. like that? Um, but and the I couch is it, is the world. The the couch is society. And you're just like pivot. <laughs> Uh, oh, you guys are reading way too much. <laughs> oh no, we definitely are. But that's the first thing. And I, I saw Evan start laughing, so that made me start laughing even more. I couldn't tell if you thought you, if you saw us laughing. Um, but what I want to do to to pivot uh, a little bit was to talk about um, the importance of of celebrating, like celebrating successes, celebrating the wins, because I have had experiences um, as of as of recent as well of um, people in, in, in leadership and stuff like that just aren't celebrating people the way they should. And I think that as leaders, it's our job to, to recognize when people do something well, you know, like when Evan was working for us and stuff like that, and he would do something good. I feel like I, I would do my best to try and congratulate him, even if it wasn't in front of people, but learning how to do it. But talk a little bit about like what your experiences is and, and why, because I feel like you feel this way. Like, why is it so important to celebrate? Because you've you've been through that of being celebrated with the Legacy Award, that kind of thing. Okay, so um, man, that's a big. It's a huge subject. Um, yeah, it's a big enough subject that it's one of the programs that I teach. Um, yeah, I'll give you a couple of uh, quick examples. I'll try to do these uh, rapidly. Um, I saw an effect that was happening at Walt Disney World. Um, we wanted to create um, quick recognition for uh, the cast members that would do a little something extra for a guest when they would they would do a, a great thing. But we wanted to tie it to something that was a behavior we wanted to reinforce. So uh, at the time, uh, they had what they called the four keys. Um, and they were they were values, uh, behaviors that we wanted to re- reinforce uh, Disney's uh, uh, belief in safety. Um, our desire to create courtesy, um, the need to, to establish a great show, um, and uh, 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 also efficiency, all right? You know, everything, uh, you talked about how big Walt Disney Company is, mm-hmm. and Walt Disney World is a city, for crying out loud. So efficiency is yeah. to be there. So we want to reinforce, you know, the behaviors that support safety, courtesy, show, and efficiency. So as a quick recognition, as an immediate recognition thing, what they would do is if uh, a leader saw a cast member do a thing that was like, oh, that was a great example of 
of inefficiency, or that was just a great example of a courtesy or the way that you treated that guest really, really well. Um, and the leader wanted to do a, a fast recognition. They would kit out what we called a, a four keys card and they would fill out and say, hey, uh, uh, Evan, I saw you do that great thing with that guest and, and the way that you made that little girl smile on the parents, they're going to remember that. What a great job of, of a guest courtesy. You, you, you really nailed it for us. So here's a card. All right. Um, and by the way, um, prizes are cool. So uh, when you get when you get back to the office, make sure you put this into the box, um, the, the four keys box. And there's a little collection box. And once a month, we open up the box and we take out all the cards and we randomly pull one out. And whoever's name is on that is going to get a, a set of movie tickets or is going to get uh, water park tickets or, you know, whatever it is that we're giving away, maybe a, a Mickey shirt, things like that. And so they would hand out these cards. It was a great immediate recognition tool. The weird part of it was that when they would go to open up the box for the drawing, there would be very few cards in it. They're like, oh, I guess, we, I guess we forgot to hand out cards. Make sure we hand out the cards. So they would make a big push to make sure that they were giving out more of these cards because they wanted everybody to be excited about this. And then they would go to open up the box so they could pull out a prize winner and there just weren't any cards in it. And they're like, wait, 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 what happened? Where did all the cards go? And they discovered, and my wife, I also a cast member, um, <laughs> will attest to this, Cast members would get their card and they would start a little stack of them in their locker. And so you would go in there, you could see a cast member had a stack of cards like this inside their locker. It's like, well, why didn't you turn it in? I, I, I kind of like my card. I wanted to keep my card. The, yeah. the, the learning was that that card represented a time when I was seen doing something good. It was the recognition. And they didn't want to give back their card because the card meant something to them. So the idea of a prize, that's great, but I want the recognition. The recognition had more value than a potential prize. They could not get the cast members to actually turn in the cards until somebody, probably a young person, had this, this <laughs> brilliant idea of, you know, we could put one of those uh, uh, instant carbon copy layers on it. So you fill out the card and then you peel off the carbon copy. You get to keep this side and it goes into Someone your turns it in. And this one goes into the prize box. And so that's how important the recognition was. Um, and, and I always remembered that lesson. Uh, and I started a game in, in the seminars that I teach where I wanted to teach how important the recognition was. And so um, I, I started making uh, these little uh, wooden coins. It's just, just a little That's wooden cool. coin there, right? Okay. Yeah. And the thing is, this wooden coin has no value. Okay. It's a wooden coin. But if I give it out during an exercise with words of encouragement going, you know, you know what? The way that you have been participating in this conversation and, and, and what you've been doing with it, I really appreciate what you're bringing to our experience. Here's your coin. And they would be, oh, that's cool. And they'd be, oh, okay, you know what? Uh, by the way, um, I, I need to do a thing, so I need all the coins back. And they're like, <laughs> I don't want to give up they, my coin. I don't, I don't want to give my coin back. Think about that. 
This coin has no value. The entire value of it is that I presented it to somebody while saying something positive. Um, so uh, for those people now that, that do my seminars, um, knowing how powerful this is, I, I use it both as a recognition tool, but I've also turned it into a motivation tool because um, what I started doing is every time I hand out these coins now, I have this stamped on it. Mm -hmm. To it. It's a yeah, what does that mean? It's a, it's a round to it. <laughs> you know, uh, you <laughs> that you will do that thing. You will make that improvement. You will start that adventure when you get around to it. I can't do it know. now, but I'll do it when I get around to it. Well, congratulations, everybody. Here you go. You earned this. <laughs> You're leaving today with a round to it. So stop making excuses and go do the thing you know you need to be doing. A recognition tool that also becomes a call to action. And yeah. that's huge. Um, and I, I, use, I use these things all the time. I, I, I use them in a magic effect that, that we can do uh, virtually even. It's, it's about how... And, and, and again, this is this is all a conversation that just keeps overlapping on itself. It's about yeah. how we're making the connections, how we're making it personal, how we're involving each other in this, using this platform, using the technology, saying, don't treat me the way I want to be treated. Treat me the way you like to be treated. You know, all of that comes together. If you keep saying that, we are all customers. We all have customers. We have to remember that it's about the connections. It's about how we treat each other. And along the way, yes, let's make the right choices that move us to where we want to be, but without giving up the things that matter. Just because we have technology doesn't mean we don't need recognition. Just because we have technology doesn't mean we can let how we connect to each other the words still matter. The, the, the conduct still matters. The attitude still matters. And if we practice treating each other well, that's how we're going to treat the next person. That's actually the, the subject of my next blog um, is that um, what we practice is what we present. As a magician, I have to practice the show the way I want the audience to see it. I can't sit there and go, well, you know, when I have an audience really in front of me, I'll, I'll do it the right way. No. Yeah, yeah. What we practice is what we will present. Yeah, no, I definitely think that's huge. And, and Evan, I kind of like coming from, and I think this is kind of cool because I feel like we have, even though we're not too far off in age, Evan, we do have three different generations of yeah people in the workforce. You know, I mean, then how how we how we do things and how we, our, our life experiences and too. And so I know, like for me. I enjoy those those small recognitions, right? Like I don't like to be the center of attention most times. Other times I I love it. Please look at me. Please tell me how cool I am. <laughs> you know, but to be but to be recognized is weird for me. I don't want to feel like for me personally, I don't want to feel like I'm better than anybody else because a lot of times if I'm being recognized, it's because someone helped me, right? Or we had a team or something like that. But Evan, when you were in case anybody was wondering, Evan and I used to work together at the school, right? When he was a student worker and and I they call me a professional staff member, but I felt like I was just a, you know, a lifelong college kid. <laughs> um, did you, did you, did you feel like you were recognized well? Like, do you, now that you're entering the workforce, like you left from a student, like, mm -hmm. have you noticed a difference of that? Or like, what is your passion? Like, how do you plan on doing that for other people as they around you are doing it? Cause now you're working full time. 
Right. Um, I will say in undergrad, I felt I was um, recognized pretty well. I think mainly my senior year, but that's just because I was a lot more involved my senior year compared to the other years. Um, But I I would say, you know, my undergraduate um, institution, they they definitely did very well with recognition. And not just with student life, but... um, also, the political science department, um, they, they always made sure, you know, even just a comment on a paper, they were like, I really appreciated like this little segment that you included, like little stuff like that, even then. Um, and then transitioning to the workforce. I mean, granted, I've, I haven't even worked a full month yet, so it so but we'll see how it works out. Yes. Um, at least. I work in a specific office. There's only like four of us. Okay, it's very small office uh, within the agency, but my boss is um, he makes it he makes it known and it, and he goes out of his way to give you some recognition. Like he's always telling me he's like he's like oh you're learning this really quick. I really appreciate that. I really appreciate you doing whatever it is he asked me to do because he's in a meeting, whatever it is, and someone's calling him and he just can't pick up. So you know he gives it to me. Stuff like that, it, I really do think that um, at least in my agency, they they do very well with that. Obviously, I don't think, I'm sure there's companies that can improve upon that, but um, in my experience, I've, I've always had a good time and recognition's always been there. Now, Evan, how do you recognize others? Because think- it's not... It's not just something that the higher ups do. It's not just something that leadership does. Yeah. I think peer to peer recognition or even um, a recognition from a direct report to the person that they worked for has just as much an effect oh, yeah. on reinforcing the behaviors and the culture that we want as when it comes from the top down. I, I would argue it's even more, in my opinion. But yeah. Um, I, I think. And, and it depends, but whenever I was in undergrad, um, I would more so, you know, I would be the guy in the poli-sci uh, cohort where you go to, you send the paper to me, I, I'll read it, I'll see if it's good. I only only got A's <laughs> on my poli-sci papers, I don't know how I did it. Um, but, you know, I, I would be very appreciative that they would even, like, people would send it to me like, hey, can you just read this over uh, real quick before I submit it for so-and-so's class and I'm like you want me to read over it that and then I was like I really appreciate you you know coming to me just for this I was like I I wouldn't have thought of me as that person to send it to um and then working in the student life office uh you know someone does something as super simple as just doing one little minor thing for me you know I always be like thank you so much for doing that like you that's not even your job uh you didn't have to do that um, I think just even a simple thank you can go such a long way. I think going off that too, I think learning what other people want and need is, is key as well as, as a leader because each person is going to be different how they receive praise, how they receive criticism because like each one of the three of us, you know, I, I mean, James, you and I are a lot alike. We like to be in front of people and perform, you know, but how you receive criticism and praise is different than myself and different than Evan. And I know someone, or we, all three of us know someone, you know, he used to be our boss, Evan and, and James are like best friends with him where he <laughs> is super passionate about thank you cards. 
Like oh, that yeah. is like his thing. And That's and like for thing. me, I, I don't I in like in I, I would really appreciate that because for me, like he would put them on my desk if I did something and our we just got through like a hard week and we had recruitment or orientation or whatever it was and he would place on there. And like for me, that was like, oh that like I appreciated that. I wasn't exactly how the best way for me to receive, you know, praise or whatever, but I knew for him that was important for him to go out of his way to write it. But like for me personally, like I always try to reinforce it as it's happening, right? So like I have a coworker now who, you know, might not feel like she's doing the best, but I try and tell her, hey, like you're doing a great job. Like if no one else recognizes it, like I see that you're doing a good job. Because I think in the moment, but I think I could also do better on those thank you notes or reflecting back, like that kind of thing. But you bring up a good point. One of the keys that's often overlooked is that recognition has the strongest impact when it is done in the moment, when it's not not something that is on your to-do list. And I, I can give you uh, yeah. the, the opposite effect here, okay? So this is the do not do this uh, uh, illustration. Um, uh, a cast member was uh, uh, coming up on uh, an anniversary date, you know, it was like, oh yeah, you know, this cast member. So at a team meeting, they knew that the cast member, and this is a true story, by the way, I'm not going to name names or anything like that because I've got friends. Uh, but um, <laughs> uh, but uh, it, was a, it was one of the, you know, pre-shift uh, team meeting and the cast member was uh, going to be getting recognized for the annual, oh, it's an anniversary, that kind of stuff. So the leader wrote it down on the clipboard as a, oh, make sure, you know, to recognize this cast member, okay? But now it comes in and they're they're doing all the stuff and stuff has got to be done and uh, we got to get to work and it's like okay everybody all right uh so um uh yeah uh everybody have a great day okay and everybody goes off to do and the and the, the team leader quite innocently then picks up their materials and looks down and is like oh it was it was so and so's anniversary today i i better remember to do that tomorrow okay mm-hmm. But here's the trap, okay? In the mind of the leader, I'm still doing the recognition, but in the mind of everybody, it's, oh, so you couldn't do the recognition when it actually was the day, you forgot it, and you're doing it now. And the way it would have been so simple, so easy to avoid that, if it really is important, if recognition is something cultural for you, it's something that you want to value in your organization you don't put it at the bottom of the to-do list all right if it really is important then you elevate it to important status so it would have been much better to come in and go hey guys we got a lot of things to talk about and we've got a, a, a lot of things that we're going to be covering but before we do that i want to recognize something important it is so and so's anniversary today so make sure that everybody says uh, congratulations and, and give them a, you know, a, a high five or a thumbs up uh, when you see them today, because that's really important. Now, let's cover the business. But when you put it at the bottom of your to-do list, it's an afterthought. Mm-hmm. But it's not just that it's an afterthought. It communicates to everybody that it's an afterthought. So if you're that person going, oh, yeah, 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 I got to remember when I get back to the office to, to, to send out an email, thank you. You know what? you got a high probability you're going to forget to write that email and it's going to be a day or two before you get to it. And by the time you get around to doing the recognition, it's not even worth it anymore. It's lost most of its value. And it can even get to the point where 
is like, oh, by the way, we would like to do recognition. Uh, somebody told us that the last month they saw uh, Christian doing this thing out there in the park. And so, Christian, we want to say thank you for that little sm the smile that you gave that little girl. And Christian's sitting there going, oh, I forgot about it. Do I even know who the heck you're talking about? But I think about smile, it. What? Right. But think about it. It's not just the fact that you can't remember the moment. But now for 30 days or however long it's been without that reinforcement, whatever it was that triggered it has been long forgotten. So you have not locked in and blocked in that knowledge, that skill set, because it wasn't reinforced in the moment. You don't, you don't congratulate the child on the skills that they did last month if you want yeah. them to do it this afternoon. You have to say, oh, look what you did. That's all, you know, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to say that we're all children, but yeah. so, that's the way our brains are wired. Don't recognize me for something I did then. Recognize me for what I'm doing now because that's when it has the impact. Well, that goes for anybody, no matter the age. And I thought this was interesting. And again, it's looping everything back. I TikTok, I don't know if you guys watch TikTok at all. Um, I have unfortunately gone to the black hole of TikTok and I've spent hours <laughs> a day. But there's this there's this really cool page that I found and it's it's this woman, I think she's like a career coach or, or something. And she's always talking about like how to transition jobs, all this kind of stuff mm -hmm. too. And um she did this one where we were talking about James about how people in my generation, Evan's generation are are hopping jobs, right? They're mm -hmm. they're they're going around, they're they're not seeing the value in their work anymore. They want they want to be valued. And she said that. She's like, if you can get someone to come in and they feel like they're valued and you care about them, we'll stay. And I say we just because that's that I think that's that's definitely an Evan in, in my generation kind of thing. And and that's for me that's you know, I have gone through a couple of jobs now of recent, but I was at one position, I say four years, but I was in the culture for 10 years. And I did that because I felt valued, right? I felt like they cared about me in that. I meant something because I was recognized. I was congratulated and for those little things. And, and then now like I'm transitioning through a couple other things and I don't feel a connection with a certain position. Right. Mm -hmm. Hope, luckily this is going to be released after my transition happens, you know, <laughs> however, you know, yeah. I feel like I'm about to enter a, 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 an environment where I will be valued. And for me, like I, I need that. I, I don't. And that's why I went to my undergrad. That's why I went to USC because I knew that I wouldn't be a number. You know, I think Evan, you probably say the same thing too, you know, and, and why I <clears throat> enjoyed James, I like, get to know you. And because I remember the first time that we met when I was an undergrad in Disney, you know, I was like, wow, this James guy is really funny. Like I want to be in his group. And I didn't, I wasn't in your group the first time. And I was like, dang it. I, James looks funny. I think he would be a funny guy to hang out with. But then I was in your group the next year and, and I felt value, right? I felt like we had that connection and, and I've been very, luckily, luckily we've been able to build our connection. And I think the same for Evan and that kind of thing is how important it is just to value the people around you. And I think that even goes outside of work and your personal issues too, like thanking them for what they do. And that's what I try to do in my own personal relationship with, with my wife is remind her like, Hey, like you do these little things for us. Like she does, she, she does we both handle the money, but she budgets it or she'll take care of where this money has to go or clean up. I think you're like, thank you so much for handling that for me. Like, I really do appreciate that. I think it goes into personal relationships as well. I know that's a little bit of a rant, but that's kind of where I was going. Now, the skills matter. The skills make a difference. Um, it's why I spend so much time talking about 
Um, what are the simple basic steps that we can take to establish a relationship? Stop treating people like transactions. Stop um, treating people like they're a to-do list, all right? What I know from all my years of performing magic shows, there's a big difference if I perform a show at an audience versus mm -hmm. if I perform a show where the audience feels like they are a part of what's happening. And, and it's, it's a bit of a, a secret, but my goal is for everybody who's in that room, who's in that space to believe that, wow, we were so fortunate that we were here tonight because, man, this was amazing and awesome and personal and I felt it. I'm not going to lie. That's a skill set. That's a practiced ability that I develop as a magician because I want every audience to feel that and respond that way and walk out of there believing that we had that moment. But the big revelation is that you can take that exact same idea, that mindset, that skill set from what I was doing in my theater and I put it into when I'm teaching, when I'm doing a, I, I stopped calling them seminars. I, I still, you know, if you look at my collateral, I, I flip flop back and forth between, am I doing a seminar or am I doing a workshop? Because a yeah. seminar sounds like you're going to talk at me. A workshop oh, yeah, says you're engaged, you know, and Evan, you said words matter. You know, I don't do a seminar. I'm not coming in to talk at somebody. I want everybody who's in this learning moment to be involved, engaged, to leave the room going, oh, man, that was personal. It's only going to feel personal if we use the skills to make you believe that you're connected to it. Don't, don't stop having transactions. Start having interactions. Don't make people to-do lists. Build relationships. And there are simple, easy steps that we've been using right here in this, in this virtual format right here that you can do professionally, socially, and personally in your own home life experience. And it has a huge impact. Um, if you've got a routine and you're just going through the motions, if you're just going through the steps, you're disconnecting. And everybody around you is going to disconnect. You've got to, even if you're doing the exact same thing, just like a magician on a show, on stage doing a show, I do the exact same things every single time. But you have to believe that you're involved, that it's part of the process, and that I'm not doing it in front of you. I'm doing it with you. My neighbors are really loud. They have the heaviest feet I've ever heard in my entire life. Then you, <laughs> I don't know if you heard then, that thud. Then your ear, no, your ear, no. your AirPods are working very well because it's not picking up any of that. Because it just scared the mess out of me. I'm telling you what. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I definitely have. I think it's just going to be interesting how we just start navigating through life in general. Now that we're getting back in in person stuff, and and James, kind of what you're talking about, like so you. Obviously, you adapted, right? Everything you did was in person. All of a sudden, boom, everything shuts down. How do you do it virtually? And I think you've done a great job of adapting. Obviously, I can tell right now your personality, your wonderful personality. 
Still comes out through teams. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I never, I never, if you had told me about this back in March of last year, I would be like, nah, nah, um, I'll just wait it out. No, you wait it out, you get left behind. Yeah. I think that's, that's true too, is people sometimes probably don't have that ability or the courage to do that. You know, I think it's, I don't know. And Evan, you can talk about this too, but I think sometimes people are too scared for change. I mean, I'm one of them. I mean, change is scary. Because I don't know what I don't know. And I'm afraid okay. of yeah. what I don't know. Yeah. Part of it is flipping the switches in your head to say, just because I don't know, doesn't mean that I have to be afraid of it. I can go find out. I can go learn. I can, I can get myself and Evan, who understands the technology far better than I'm ever going to, and he may think that I'm archaic and a dinosaur and a bit of uh, <laughs> uh, a, an analog, you know, as, as we're moving forward. <laughs> but, but I value his insight. I value what he brings to the table. Hopefully, by doing that, I earn his trust so that he will say, you know what? I've got this problem that I've been working on. Hey, James, have you ever encountered this before? What did what happened? What did you guys have to do? Because if we don't do that, if we don't establish that kind of relationship, that trust, then when he has a problem, he's only going to think of me as an analog. And I'm an old guy and I don't have any way to relate to who he is. He doesn't understand me. He's not lived my life. It works both ways. I have to build a relationship with him and not treat him like the kid who just walked into the office and is wet behind the ears and doesn't know anything. So don't trust him with anything. No, he knows things I do not know because he grew up in an environment, in a world and with systems I never imagined when I was his age. And now I'm the student and I'm gonna be learning from Evan and what I can do is create the relationship and build the trust by valuing what Evan brings to this so that Evan, in turn, values the road that I've already been down. And we've got more because we're different. We are not the same and we don't think the same and we don't behave and respond the same. We can come to a different destination than either of us imagine but that's only going to happen if we are building the connections and the relationship with each other um but to what you're saying christian yeah terrifying because oh, so terrifying. I, I i don't know who this kid is i don't i don't know what this technology is i what if what if what if we try to go online and we try to do this and the whole thing crashes and then i look like i'm i'm an idiot because i didn't know how to use my computer well the ethernet you know doesn't what? work yeah <laughs> so we learn. Yeah. No, I definitely think that's, that's definitely a good testament. And um, as we, just cause I don't want, I, we could talk for five, six hours. Um, but just to, to kind of wrap things up. And I know we, we had this theme of like just change, right? Like big life changes and stuff like that. And before we hop off and everything, Evan, do you have any last questions or any statements to James that you want him to cover or just anything like that? Um, just a couple, actually. It's about your new immersion leader training. Um, yeah. So is it um, 
Is it anything like what you did with the Yes program at Disney, or is it like completely different? Is it kind of like a hybrid between the two? Kind of tell more me about that. What, what the opportunity presented to me was I had this wealth of experience and um, behaviors that I had seen by being a trainer at Walt Disney World, how people interacted, how people learned, how people responded to reinforce behaviors, how the recognition all came in together. Um, and I'd learned all of that as a cast member, as a trainer, as a teacher, as a facilitator for education programs at Walt Disney World. But I have this other life where I've been a magician. You know, I've had parallel careers. And I would look at, even within Disney, sorry, even within Disney, going to training sessions. And it's just like, we're an entertainment company. Why is this so boring? Um, <laughs> and I remember sitting in lecture halls and going, oh, man, what time is it? Are we, how much, you know, not checking like the clock is, is impossible because it's like, this is just dragging on forever. So the thought I had was, how do I create the level of engagement in a training program using the knowledge and the lessons that I've learned in 30 years at Walt Disney World but with that connection, with that engagement that I know how to establish when I'm on stage and working with an audience so that we feel like this is a moment in time that is unique and special for us. So to answer your question, Evan, the subjects, obviously there's, there's some, some overlap there, you know, leader skills, yeah. by the way, Evan, I'm sorry, uh, you said words matter. Notice I never say I teach leadership. I don't mm -hmm. teach leadership. I teach leader skills. Leadership is how you run a company. I am not the guy who runs Disney. So I'm not going to tell you I know how to run a giant corporation. I'm not that guy. I teach the skills that you need as you develop your leadership. So that's a skill set. It's a skill set that I have seen used at Disney. It's a skill set that I have used as a magician. It's a skill set that successful people use. So yeah, I teach leader skills. I teach teams. I've got a lot of experience in helping train and develop teams. And I teach creativity because those are subjects that I am very, very good at. And I know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to do it now in a format in a way, in a workshop that I don't, I have not seen anybody else doing. It's, it's kind of unique. It's fun. It's, it's a good time. And at the end of the yeah. day, everybody enjoyed what we did and don't walk out of the space going, Oh God, that's, that's a day I'm never going to get back. No, it's <laughs> like, Oh, how soon can we do this again? I mean, Christian, Evan, you you guys, are both testaments to that going, I want, I want to do that with James again. No, we already did that. Christian, how many times? <laughs> hey, I'd be like, dude, we've already done this. Yeah, I know. Let's do it again. Let's, let's do it again. <laughs> yeah, well, on my end, I, I, I think that there's no more questions for me, but um, yeah, I definitely, you know, being even though I was only in Disney that, that one time with you, just... And you only did what two or three magic tricks. You just, even 
during the uh, times you weren't doing the actual magic, you, you know, you kept it very upbeat. It's not like I was just like, oh, let me let me get on my phone while I'm while I'm waiting on it just to be over. So I'm going to the parks. Uh, it was never like that. So I really always appreciated that. It's it's for me. What I get to do in the emerging leader training series that I've I've put together, um, and it, it's it's working really well. It's not a lesson; it's a conversation. And when I I say that, I mean literally. If we run the full series, if I do all of the the uh, creating leader magic, all of the uh, creating teamwork magic, and all of creating create <laughs> creativity magic. Um, they're, they're called unlocking leader magic, unlocking teamwork magic, unlocking creativity magic. Any one of them can stand on their own, but because of the way that we're doing it, it really does turn into one continuous conversation, just like we've done here, where everything that we're talking about relates to everything that we're going to be talking about. And everything that we are talking about now is building off of what we talked about earlier. So you can't really separate it out. It's a conversation that flows like a conversation. Definitely. That's the whole point of why we wanted to, or why I wanted to, I just brought Evan along. I'm just kidding. Um, the, <laughs> the whole goal of our podcast moving forward is just to have these conversations with people that we feel um, are fun to talk to, have, have knowledge that we want to share and just to get to know more. And so James, I've definitely have appreciated you um, taking time. I know it's been a little bit of a hectic trying to, you were busy last weekend. Now we're here where we're at, which is awesome. But um, before I stop the recording, don't go anywhere when we say bye, because I definitely want to ask you some questions, Disney type questions to see your opinion on things. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> so, oh, yeah. But off I, camera off, questions. Off the record. Off camera. <laughs> we'll do it offline. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but any, any last things or any last tips you want to share with our, our listeners or our podcasters, whichever one you want to use? Um, let me say this about that. Um, You've, you've brought it out, you know, when do you start to feel like you've got it together? When do you start to feel like you have figured out what the answers are? When do you start to believe that you're a grown-up? That may or may not happen early in your life. It may or may not happen halfway through your life. It might never happen. I, I know lots of people that are still figuring it out because what really happens is that you come to the realization either early, mid or late in your life that you're not going to ever feel like you've got it completely figured out. Because if you've got it completely figured out, that means you're not pushing anymore. You're not mm -hmm. testing anymore. You're not learning anymore. If you haven't figured it out, it's because you're still on the journey. You know, it, it, it's not the destination, it's the journey. So stop stressing about whether or not you have figured it out and accept that it's a learning. I don't know what I don't know, but I'm not going to let that stop me and I'm not going to be afraid of it. I'm going to go learn. Maybe I'll learn what I was expecting to learn. Maybe I'll learn something I didn't even imagine. Maybe it will take me down a different career path or a different uh, step I never foresaw. You honestly cannot say at this point, you know where you're going. Because if you did, then why bother? You know, enjoy learning it as you get there. And don't be afraid of not knowing everything. You've got time to make the corrections and learn as you go. 
Don't look in the rearview mirror other than to say, ah, I've learned this. I'm carrying it with me. That's that's in a nutshell, I guess. That's my big advice. Um, All right. Enjoy so we've it. Got a free seminar from James. There you go. <laughs> uh, I'll send you the invoice when we're done. There we go. <laughs> Oh, cool. Well, I definitely have appreciate you being on here. I, I have enjoyed watching you, Christian, specifically as you have been coming into who you're developing into, the, the choices that you're making, seeing you taking on the leadership role. Because um, I've seen you, like you said, from the time that you were just a participant all the way oh, up yeah. into the, the changes, the leadership role, and to watch you on that journey is just as exciting and fascinating for me as I, I hope uh, it has been for you. And Evan, uh, clearly you're, you're making the right choices. You are on the way you're developing. Don't worry about whether or not this is going to work out perfectly. Odds are it's not going to work out the way you're expecting it to, but that's okay. It never does. It never <laughs> does. And anybody who tells you, well, that's not what you should be doing doesn't know any better than you do. They honestly don't. <laughs> Not at all. Gentlemen, be good. And what I always say, make good choices.